Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. What's up, everybody? Steve Moore and Mark Castleman here coming at you from the PBSC podcast. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, we've got a great topic that we're actually going to tackle in a two-part episode um, here today. Uh, we were talking about it you know, pre-production, and we thought that dividing this up into a couple of pieces uh, would be good. And it's in response to actually a, uh, a submission that we got from one of our listeners. As all of you hopefully are aware of, uh, if you go to our website at pbsepodcast.com, we try to make these episodes wherever possible, answering questions that you guys have for us. Um, we obviously cover a wide range of topics there too, uh, but would love to hear. There's a contact form on there. We'd love to hear from all of you and address those uh, topics or questions that you have about recovery, all things recovery in, in future episodes. Uh, but uh, this is we'll go and we'll read the submission real quick and we'll jump right into the topic because there's a lot to cover. Uh, so this came from a, a, a spouse who uh, wrote into us. Hi guys, my husband and I are working through his safe, his sobriety and our recoveries. We found your podcast and are truly thankful we did. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I had a question regarding boundaries. I have been working on my list, but I am struggling with one in particular. When my husband and I would cuddle and watch our nightly shows together or a movie, he would later Google images, sometimes explicit of the actresses that caught his eye. I could tell during our time together, he was objectifying and becoming aroused by them. It has become a very triggering thing for me, uh, but I can't seem to think of an appropriate boundary or any boundary for this. I have asked in my support groups, but it is most often suggested to completely remove watching shows or movies altogether or screening them. I understand doing that for explicit scenes or R-rated uh, material, but I just don't think that is ideal for shows uh, that involve sexual intimate explicit scenes. Do you have any suggestions or advice on this? Great question. Yeah, I think that last part you said, uh, uh, I just don't think that this is ideal for shows that don't involve sexual or intimate or explicit scenes. I think, mm. you, I think you said that do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Port of clarification there. <clears throat> yeah. So in other words, we're surrounded by media all the time. Mm -hmm. So do we completely uh, eliminate all television shows, all medias, all media of every kind? Because you never know what's going to pop up. And besides that, I can tell you from the standpoint of, of, of a guy who was in addiction for decades, it wouldn't matter what it was. It could be a show that was entirely about nuns and habits. Mm, and yeah. Mark would find a way to undress and fantasize about them. So true. Right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
No, it's it's for sure. And it, and it brings up a good question because what you say is so correct, right? I mean, we live in a very digital world. Obviously, there are lots of boundaries that we can and ought to set in recovery around certain material and things that you know are going to be blatantly triggering or causing either safety issues for the coupleship or a difficulty maintaining sobriety for the addict. Absolutely. I don't think, yeah, nobody's going to yep. argue that. There's not no. a, I'm just going to come out. I don't care where you hail from. And I know that this will make me unpopular with a certain crowd of people. There isn't a world in which pornographic material is ever going to feed you or benefit from you. Nobody ever walks away from a good porn session and says, oh, geez, I'm so much better for that. Um, you know, it always re- results in disconnection and disharmony with the self and and lack of trust and empathy and connection in the relationship. But um, but when it comes to living in the world that we live in, I mean, this is a true statement, right? We can't not being exposed to media in our world means living under a rock. And um, that isn't really realistic. Right. And so when, as we go throughout our days and, and, and whether it's with media or even just people in the environment, couples have to navigate this. You know, right. It's complicated. Yeah. So let's, let's be crystal clear, right? What Steve and I are saying is that there are basic boundaries that need to be set uh, around things that are obviously you know, harmful and triggering and arousing, et cetera. So we want to have clear boundaries with regard to pornography. We want, we do want to use services that help us screen, screen movies before we go see them. Yes. Uh, this might sound really bizarre, but one of the things I use are, are the sites that are out there that tell parents what are in movies. So they know if they're safe for their kids or not. Yep. I actually go to those sites to see if the movie is going to be something that is safe for me to go see with my wife. Sure. So yeah, the, we are not saying that there are not very basic, um, you know, sensical, you know, rudimentary foundational things that you put in place. Absolutely, you do. But what about for the regular daily stuff that's all around us that we cannot possibly block out? We cannot yeah. possibly control, right? What are we going to do with that? How are we going to how are we going to function in a healthy way with that? Now, Steve, yeah. as you and I address this, you'll notice all of you that this says part one. There are two sides to this story. The side that we're going to attack, there's, so there's the side of the addict who struggles with these things. And then there, of course, is the side of the betrayed spouse. So in part one here, we're going to tackle what the addict's responsibility is, right? What can I do as, as a guy who's in recovery with regard to this issue? What, where, what is my side of the fence on this? So yeah, this is part one. We're going to talk to the guys. Absolutely. And then, yeah, we will, we will get to the other side in, in part two here. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Cause there's a lot to, lot to cover here. Um, so if we kind of look at this, we, you know, from the addict side, we have to look, you know, what's the overall, what's the overall goal here? The overall goal is to create connection uh, in the relationship and also to find happiness, connection, you know, recovery, et cetera, for the self, all the things that we talk about on this, on this program all the time. And oftentimes, as we go through and navigate recovery, you know, we come up against these op- obstacles either individually or in coupleships. And historically, uh, prior to getting into good recovery, prior to working with a good therapist, prior to uh, really uh, getting some good skills from professionals and others, uh, situations like this become driving wedges right in a relationship and can, can, and can cause uh, greater shame for the addict individually or greater avoidance patterns that are unhealthy but also uh, within the relationship as well. And, and we end up, uh, these situations end up actually making things harder. And what we want to be looking at this through the lens of is these, these opportunities, or at least most of them that used to drive us apart as a coupleship, 
or cause problems individually with the right skill sets, with the right tools, with the right perspective can actually be opportunities for finding connection and growth. And so that's where we're going to come and come at, at, at this from, you know, rather than, than these topics like, like media dividing you, media consumption can actually be an opportunity for you to find recovery and healing, but also for the relationship to find that and for a spouse to be able to grow out and develop trust. It doesn't have to be something dividing. Well, um, that's and, a, so that's a big statement that you've just made right there, Steve. If I'm listening, I'm saying, whoa, wait a second. You're telling me media can connect us? Yeah. Media, media can aid me in my recovery? Media can bring us closer together as a couple? Steve, are you insane? <laughs> Do you not know the world that we live in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, abs- <laughs> absolutely, right? Because, and, and, and as coupleships, right? Whether it's, we're using this about media, but but as as the spouse kind of indicated, you know, this same objectification, which is what we're going to be talking about here, this breaking down into body parts or this lust component, can happen just as easily in the everyday environment, right? And all sorts of other scenarios. Oh yeah. The restaurant, the mall, the, the, you know, the, the high school, the, you name it. It, This absolutely is always there. And, and us as guys in recovery, all of you guys listening, you know how this works. I, I, I say that, you know, we, we could shut off all the media that exists. And because of our history, you and I are going to, we have this mobile, mobile porn library permanently in our heads that you and I can access anytime we want. Yeah, we could we yeah. could go live in a cave, and I could actually partake of pornography every day in that cave out of my own head. It is very true. Yeah, most of us kind of got to the point where we sort of had miniature porn sets there going, and you know are very very adept at this objectification concept. Our brain does it almost automatically, and so so yeah, taking situations like this and being able to leverage them actually for connection is is where we're going to focus today. So there's a couple of ways to do this. Um, you know, the first piece of this on the addict side for doing this is we have to first combat the lack of transparency, the secrecy, the nebulousness around this issue. That's usually around situations like this, what sets the stage for disconnection. Addicts, the addict or the betrayer does not want to talk about it because he doesn't want a wife feel, to feel more betrayed slash he doesn't want to be attacked. And a spouse oftentimes doesn't want to talk about it because she doesn't want to get into a fight or feel, feel triggered. Right. And so what do we do? We oftentimes will... We create these white elephants or, or these elephants in the room, so to speak, that we sort of start to navigate around that we don't want to engage with due to pain avoidance. But what and so the first step here is we need to own the elephant, right? We have to bring it to the light and just say, look, this is an issue for us. You know, the reality is, is when we go out and, and consume media together, whether it's at the movies or even if we're, you know, in X, Y, and Z places, I, as an addict, I, I'm curious, you know, spouse, what this looks like for you. But me as an addict, the reality is, is I will own it. I do sometimes struggle with objectification and breaking people down. I struggle with going into a headspace of lust when I see attractive actors or actresses. And, and I want you to know that I, you know, that, you know, that definitely is part of the history that I have built up as a part of, you know, a, a, ten, a brain's tendency to, you know, constantly be pulled into and engaged with lust and to escape and to numb out. And so I, I, I want to own that with you. And it's important that we do that in appropriate ways, right? A lot of detail here is usually not helpful as with many other areas of disclosure, but being fully accountable for it and saying, you know, these situations do cause these issues and it is something that needs to be worked on is half the battle, right? Just well, bringing it to the table. Yeah. So that's the addict side, uh, guys, is you getting raw and real about where you're vulnerable, um, yes. I would get, so where detail is needed is you can get specific about what, where, what are those environments? 
Mm-hmm. Right? right. It's the movie theater. It's the mall. It's, you know, it's the swimming pool. It's the, it's the gym, right? It's us, it's us sitting and watching certain TV shows together. I mean, get, that's where you do want to provide detail about what those environments are. Yes. And you start to get Ron vulnerable about why they're, why they're difficult for you. Not, not the, not the specific, you know, gory details about what you're seeing, but, but what, how, why does it impact you the way that it does? And yeah. as, as an addict in recovery, getting Ron real about that, you'll, you'll be, you will be, you will be shocked by how much progress you make in recovery when you remove secrecy. What do we say? Secrecy feeds addiction. And if you want to come out of that, one of the most basic things you do is to come out into the light of transparency and vulnerability that by itself will, will start to propel you forward with recovery success. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we have to be able to do that in a way that, it, that we, it, guys, the key word here for us is, is proactivity. Okay? Yes. We need to be the one coming to a spouse and, and owning this with them, even though that can be painful, even though it can, in the short term, it, it, it will be hurtful for a spouse. That's the reality, right? And that's part of why, not all of why, but part of why we sometimes dodge this topic or topics like it is because, well, I don't want to hurt my wife's feelings. But the reality is, is if this is an issue for you guys, it already is. It's just not being discussed. Right. And so bringing it out and, and just owning that in a proactive way and providing that accountability right there, you're going to create a, a tremendous amount of safety just right out the gate. Well, um, and, and along with, you know, talking about how it impacts you as the guy in recovery, <clears throat> I would invite all of you to also, and this is going to be tough. This is what we call leaning in, leaning in towards your, towards your spouse and, and, and inviting her to share with you how it impacts her. Yes. Very important that you provide the safe environment where she can express that. Please do guys also please note that as with all topics like this, we really recommend that you've got like a sponsor or a daily renewal partner in this process, somebody or a therapist, somebody that you can be processing out these feelings with beforehand so that you're not making your spouse the processor of these things, if that makes sense. Yeah. When we when we practice proactive accountability, we've already worked out the details and the impact and all that stuff with ourselves and with someone else, not doing that with a partner. That's not, not a partner. Right. Job. Yeah. You don't want to do this cold Turkey and come to your partner and, and start moving through this really sloppy, messy process. And you've not done any other work beforehand or not. in a place of shame, you know, yeah. where, where you're carrying still a bunch of shame about it. That's going to derail things. So. Yeah. Not, not, not a good idea. No, absolutely. Well, maybe we could, maybe we could mention for a minute, Steve, you know, why does, when we engage in these, these behaviors as addicts, why does it rob our relationship of connection? I, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, that so much of what causes a disruption for this on the part of spouses is this hypervigilance concept, right? There's a real, obviously there are trust deficits following betrayal trail in all sorts of ways. And a natural response for the partner of an addict or somebody struggling is to oftentimes feel a, a sense of pressure or even obligation around this idea that I've got to be the one to lead the charge and protect us from stuff. I got to protect him from stuff. I got to protect me from stuff. We've got to, you know, we, we yeah. aren't watching anything other than, than, you know, Muppet movies and whatever, because, <laughs> you know, anything beyond that uh, might, might cause a problem. And when a guy takes that proactive role, when, it, when an addict takes that proactive role, what it does among the many other things that it does too much to mention here, just in this one discussion 
is that it it sends the message that hey, the hypervigilance is not a isn't helpful, but b I'm going to I'm going to be proactive in owning this, and I'm going to you don't have to be looking on the horizon for these things because I am going to take that on because that's the right thing for me. Yeah, that is huge. Right, right I'm guys? going to be looking for that stuff. Yep. If you can lead out, guys, and what and what do we what do we do when we're not in recovery? We put the we put the pressure on our on the on the backs of our spouses. She needs to be policing me. She needs, where are his eyes? Who did he look at? How long did he look, right? Oh, that scene just came up in that movie. And then I look over at him to see what he's looking at. And this whole policing hypervigilance, her energy is being so used up, guys, in that whole process that she, she doesn't have anything left to connect in a healthy way. By you taking that on and saying to her, I will take responsibility for all of that, for now going forward, you free her up in order to be able to work on the more connecting, healthy connecting parts of your relationship. Yes. So important. You see how that works. Wow. I've, I'm removing that burden from you. It's no longer your job to be responsible for what I'm looking at or thinking about or doing or not doing. That's my job now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you leading out that discussion, it should be an ongoing discussion, right? Is what helps set the stage for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of moving forward here, uh, and we're going to refer you to past podcast episodes for details about this for sake of time, but uh, this, then we have to jump kind of into this whole concept of objectification versus humanization, mm. right? Uh, simply put, uh, objectification is the breaking down of a person, right? Stripping away literally those attributes or qualities about them that make them inherently human and focusing on, in this context, the lust-based components. Yeah, right. turning people into body parts, Correct. and and what I'm what I'm imagining I would do to those body parts, right? That's yes. objectification. And then humanization, obviously, is the opposite, right? Where we infuse that back in, where we we begin to re reexamine or look at people through a, a a holistic would be a good way to put it, or a whole approach, right? I'm seeing people as they are in their wholesomeness, right? I'm or, or their whole wholeness. I'm seeing all parts of them. I'm not just, you know, stripping away those pieces that my brain wants to escape or numb out with. I am actually connecting with people, with the world around me and, and seeing people as not just body parts, but as people. People, yeah. <laughs> For people, a better way to put it. People like with histories, it. people with families, people with dreams, people who have, you know, uh, just that have interests and, and, and innate value and all sorts of things about their personalities and their feelings and their whole worlds. And that I'm, I'm trying to see them in, in that whole sense. Now, guys, if you want to, if you want to make the, the transition from objectification to humanization, you're going to need to start looking at the whole surrender process that Steve and I talk about. Yes. Right. And simply put for me, as I teach the surrender process, all the years in addiction, what I've been doing as I approach people is doing it my way my brain's way, right? That, that lust center of my brain has been driving the show and it's been doing it for, for some legitimate reasons, right? Life is stressful. All the different triggers that I have, my trauma, my boredom, my fears, my shame. And I, my brain automatically goes to this place of objectification because it releases powerful chemicals in my brain to give me self-soothing. So Mm. I automatically go to that as my drug of choice. If I'm going to step out of that place, I need to first be well recognize that I'm doing it, own it, and then be willing to begin to give away that my way approach and trade it instead with a replacement process, 
which is to begin to humanize and, and look at people as whole individuals. And I practice that skill over and over and over again. Yes. Um, for me, it's simply, I recognize I'm about to go to objectification. I stop and pause. I give that away. I give that approach away. And I say, what is really needed in this moment? I'm not going there as I've gone so many times before. I want to replace it with a different approach. And so what would that be right now? And we can talk, there's other podcasts we've done on surrender, but I believe that there is a higher power, a divine source that will give you an impression or give you an insight in that moment. If you'll put your way aside and ask what would be a better way, things will come to you about how to approach people in a healthy, holistic way. And when yeah. that insight comes, you go with it. Yeah. Right? Simple surrender process. And please do, guys. Like I said, we're, I know we're referencing like multiple podcast episodes. Please do go back and take a look at those. Um, the, the, we have them all named pretty de- in detail. And that, the pro- those processes will make, make a lot more sense that way. Yep. Um, but that is going to be our role, right? The big part as far as the, 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 the conversation around this goes is that is the big components here that is the transparency around it, right? Our process and engage with it, but the proactivity with which we address it with the spouse, how we lead the charge with it. And then we continue to check in with the spouse as we develop out a game plan, right? So as we come up, and this is where that collaborative piece come, comes from, and this is what we were kind of talking about as we wrap up this episode, uh, what I mentioned at the beginning, where there's an opportunity for, for collaboration here. Not only does this not have to disconnect us, but when we involve a spouse in this process, when we there is such power, and I know this from you know my own experience in recovery, of making the switch from, oh, you caught me looking again. Oh, crap, I need to change, right? That whole dynamic <laughs> of a spouse is hypervigilant and I'm repenting and I'm changing and I'm amending and I'm you know doing all the things that I need to do as far as damage control to, to putting myself proactively in the driver's seat and saying, you know what, this isn't, we're not doing the damage control anything anymore. I'm going to seek out ours, yours, my safety. And here's my process in doing it. And I want you involved in it with me. When we start to make that shift, it creates such a different dynamic in the relationship. Not only does this situation or situations like it not have to be, uh, you know, disconnecting and something that we avoid, we can actually grow out the relationship by connecting with one another and saying, hey, as we go out tonight, you know, to dinner or to the movies or to whatever, here, let's, let's, if you as a husband can go to a partner or, or a spouse or, or, you know, whatever fits best for you terminology wise there, if you can go to that other person and say, hey, this is what's coming up. Here's my game plan for this. What would you like to add? There, there is such go. a crazy connection to that. Yeah. Right now I'm now I've what have I done? I've put me and my spouse on on the same side of the issue. Right? We're tackling this, we're attacking it together. You know, we're going out to that movie or that family engagement or that date or whatever it is as a united front. Rather as two people absolutely scared shitless, pardon the pardon the phrasing. <laughs> we don't have we don't have any advertising on this, so we can say whatever we want. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, so, you know, when we're so so instead of going out there terrified, you know, we can actually, you know, go out there uh, recognizing that we're both in the same boat and we can support each other rather than kind of just hope we survive the evening. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Where yeah. it goes unspoken and she's thinking, oh, God, here we go to that into that environment. I know what he's going to do. 
right? And then she's watching his eyes, right? And he's saying, oh, crap, she's going to be all over my case. And right, all this division, instead of coming together and us as guys saying, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. This has been risky for me in the past. Here's my plan. Here are the tools I plan to use. Sweetheart, what do you think? What would you think would be really helpful to add to that? And now together, let's go implement this. It's such a, there's the unification. There's the connection that has in the past been divisive. Absolutely. There you go. Okay. So we're going to wrap up here now, guys. Um, But that's going to be the assignment for, for, for you addicts is sitting down with yourself and figuring out like for you in your particular situation, how can I take on this proactive role? Right. What, what is an area, whether it's around media, like this uh, original, uh, original podcast listener submitted her, her question around, whether it's around media or whether it's around family gatherings or going out in public with those certain people or whatever it is, find a topic that you can tackle with your, with your partner and be the one to proactively say, hey, you know, I think that looking back, there may have been a potential for this to have been triggering for you. Has it been? And here are the ways in which it historically has been for me. And can I share with you either what I have been doing and can I keep you more in the loop with that if things are already going well there or right? Here's how I've probably been letting down, dropping the ball in this area. And I need to be accountable for that. And I want to start changing that conversation. What would you think? Yep. Um, Love it. Love that it. would be awesome. All right. So, and then so we'll tackle uh, uh, this next piece. Yep, here. That's part one for the yeah. addicts. Now, uh, part two that we'll uh, release next week is going to be for the spouses in these situations. Absolutely, guys. And as always, uh, we tackle the, uh, you can tell we're kind of rushing through this topic. Yeah. We're doing our best to be thorough with it, but we can only do so much of that on, on a podcast. We really, really encourage you if you have not given it a chance or if you, and if you are, we appreciate you being there. Hopefully you're seeing the benefit. We trust that you are, but please give, give a, give a look at our dare to connect program at uh, dare to connect now.com. Uh, it's for addicts, spouses, and couples. We meet three times a week on an interactive basis with uh, partners, addicts, and spouses about all things recovery. We answer questions. We bring topics to the table. We share tools, tips, tricks, everything from video clips to exercises to, all, you know, we do interviews with our spouses who come on from time to time, and we have others slated to be coming on as well. We'd love to have you guys come out and, and give that a, a check out. It's a great way to supplement and to really get a solid infusion into your recovery at whatever stage you're at. So do give that a look. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pick this back up in part two. Awesome. Have a great one guys. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.